Please be seated. Seek good and not evil, that you may live. Do not these words ring true as soon as we hear them? It should be no surprise that we need this type of wisdom. More than anything, though, we need to act on it. Seek good and not evil, that you may live. We've been looking at the Book of Lamentations over the past few weeks, but today we start looking at the book of Amos. And in Amos, we see lament in a different light. God laments in a different way. He laments over the sins of his people. As we've talked about lament for both the Israelites and ourselves, we've understood that it means to have sorrow, to come to God in prayer, to labor, To travail is an old word, but to labor and work in prayer over difficult things, sometimes to grieve, sometimes to complain, sometimes to repent, but also even to be angry, maybe even rage at God at times, and to know that that is normal. We see it many times in Scripture. Amos he shows us a different side of the coin, as it were. Amos was written 150 or so years after the division of the northern and southern kingdoms in Israel. In 1 Kings chapter 12, we we see this occurring. The north, following King Jeroboam, broke off and became Israel with their capital in Shechem. The south, following Rehoboam, became Judah with the traditional capital in Jerusalem. And it's in this context that Amos preached, that he spoke. Northern and southern kingdoms existed. And Amos directed his work towards this northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, not the south. Although many prophets did direct their warnings to the south. Amos spoke in poems, in sermons, and prophetically of judgment that was coming. And Amos was a shepherd and a fig tree farmer. And it's often amazing, I think, how God has used shepherds in his story. Amos, not necessarily a learned man, spoke powerfully, wrote powerfully of the things of God, warning this northern kingdom Amos had lived just over the border from the northern kingdom. He'd lived in the south. And he spoke at the time of Jeroboam II. He went up to Israel to share his ministry. Later on, of course, this work was collected. All of the poems, all of the sermons, the prophecy. And the distinctive work we call Amos came together. Amos calls for God's perspective to be seen and for God's hand at work in the lives of the children of Israel to be known. This is lament in a different light than what we've been discussing. Amos says at the start of chapter 5, 
Hear this word that I take up over you in lamentation, O house of Israel. Fallen no more to rise is made in Israel, forsaken on her land with no one to raise her up. Amos laments the coming fall of Israel. And for 40 years, in 40 years, Israel would fall to the Assyrian Empire. And 150 years after that, Judah would fall to the Babylonians, as we saw in the book of Lamentations. It's at something interesting that happens at this point. Amos is lamenting about the future fall of Israel, what is to come. But the next verses, the next verses, are God lamenting over his people, over their mistakes, and declaring what will come. This is God lamenting. What we can learn here powerfully is that it is not just us alone who laments. God laments, and we can lament with him and through him today. In fact, this is one of the beautiful parts of the Christian experience. We are not alone. We have a God who knows us deeply. In the hard and difficult things of life, he is there. He knows pain. He's been there. He cried tears in the Garden of Gethsemane, of blood. He knows what it's like to face difficulty, heartache, struggle. David writes in Psalm 42 how we can pour our souls out to God, especially in song, even as we have this morning. But he also says in Psalm 42 that we can settle in the depths of God when we feel cast down. Our God is a God who laments. We are not alone in our lamentation. And this year our theme has been seek first and find hope. This is so true when we lament with God. We seek first and we find hope. We find strength for today and hope for tomorrow. But this does require something of us. It requires change and action in our lives. God wrought change, not man-made change or man-made effort. Transformation, though, at the deepest possible level inside of our hearts. And coincidentally, then through our actions. Amos has a lot to say. And in chapter 5, he says something very interesting. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, seek me and live. Similar to what we heard a moment ago. But it doesn't stop there. He goes on to say this. Seek me and live, but do not seek Bethel. And do not enter into Gilgal or cross over to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into exile and Bethel shall come to nothing. Now, this was a warning of the time that refuge could not be found in these places physically. A warning to the Israelites that a quite literal exile was coming, the future invasion of the Assyrians. But it was also a spiritual warning. Bethel, Gilgal, and Bathsheba at this time were centers of worship for other gods, pagan worship. God was saying, seek me and live. Don't go to these other gods, no matter how good it might seem to do so. 
And I think for us today, there's something very powerful in this. There are some beautiful places of worship in the world. Beautiful places where worship is held. You may recognize some of the ones on the screen. Not necessarily worship to the one true God, though some of these are. But how easy it can be to be led astray by beautiful things in our world, or even just easy things, comfortable things. Comfortable for us to believe, comfortable for us to know. Not just obvious things, but the more subtle ideas and perhaps philosophies of our day. I think, for instance, that entitlement, comfort and ease of life is an easy one for us Australians to get caught up in. We begin to seek other things that are beautiful, easy, comfortable. And our priorities get skewed. We stop seeking good and not evil. Start seeking something else entirely. We may well and truly say we worship the one true God, even come to church and do our good deeds. But do our priorities show this? Really? Do we really prioritize God in our work, our school, our leisure, projects that we have on the go, or other things, even good things? Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, Our hearts have room only for one all embracing devotion, and we can only cleave to one Lord. I believe this to be powerfully true. We don't have enough space for more than one God. We will make a decision on this even if we don't want to. We can't escape it. Often there's been analogies used by preachers throughout the ages to show this picture. Perhaps it is that there is only one throne in your life. Who will take it up? There is only one steering wheel, as it has been said. Is Jesus taking the wheel? It might sound a little bit corny, but it's true. It's probably oversimplistic, yes. But I believe Scripture makes this very plain for us. Jesus is Lord of all, or he is not Lord at all, Hudson Taylor once said. And Amos is leading us this way, telling us to seek God. And seeking is a major reoccurring theme in chapter 5 of Amos. He writes in verses 5 and 6 of this chapter, Seek the Lord and live, or he will break out against the house of Joseph like fire, and it will devour Bethel and no one with no one to quench it. Are you that turn justice to wormwood and bring righteousness to the ground? See, one of the greatest complaints against the people of Israel was that despite knowing better, they distorted justice and righteousness. They made justice something that, sh that, something that should have brought freedom into something very bitter. Wormwood was a plant that we use for many, many purposes in the ancient world, and it's mentioned here, including for medicine and for flavoring food. It has a very distinct bitter flavor that permeates anything that it's combined with. You can tell that it is there. And this is how the justice of Israel had become. Justice was not done. There were crooks 
everywhere. The scales had become uneven, as it says in other parts of Scripture. Everyone was just out for themselves, their own gain, their own benefit, their own comfort. No one was standing against the evil that was occurring in their midst. They just let it slide on by. Righteousness was not the order of the day either. Unfair relationships existed amongst the people. The poor were exploited despite God's commands. And people abused rather than used to their fullest potential. Good was on the margins. Being righteous was a very nice thought, but the people didn't have any desire to live this way in reality. And God's view of righteousness and justice was not being upheld. The Hebrew word here for righteousness in this context is zedekah, and it meant fair relationships between people, no matter their social differences. And the word for justice, mishpat, meant the concrete actions that you take to correct injustice and create righteousness. These words had deep meaning. God meant for his people to know and be known for this. He, in fact, had commanded them that they were to be known for justice. Justice and only justice you shall pursue, he said to them, so that you may live and occupy the land that the Lord your God has given you, in Deuteronomy 16, verse 20. The people of Israel were supposed to be known for justice, this type of justice, fairness, equity. And so, God laments over the people for not doing what they should have done. And he charges them with the verses that we read earlier. Seek good and not evil, that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you, just as you have said. Hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. I want to encourage us today to see that we need to seek, seek good and not evil, that we may live. We must take a stand against evil in our world. This was God's design for the people of Israel, and it is his design for us today also. Martin Luther King Jr. said, He who accepts evil without protesting against it is really cooperating with it. Near the end of chapter 5 of Amos, there is a picture of what God intended for the people of Israel. And I believe for us, it says this. Scholars believe this is the key verse in the entire book of Amos. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. God desires for us, he desires for his people, that these things should be like waters flowing in our lives, refreshing and renewing justice and righteousness, standing against evil, daily, weekly, yearly, perpetually making a difference in our world. Our small actions can make a difference as we stand against evil. I wonder, does God lament over our indifference 
at times. Lament in a different light. Or does he see us working for justice and for righteousness in our lives and in our world? Does he see us loving as the commandments tell us, as we just read before? Is he seated on the throne of our lives and directing us? Is he driving? I pray that we see today that he must be. Seek good and not evil that you may live. Amen.